What's your story? Whether you're a client or an independent financial advisor, we know you face many important decisions that can affect your and your clients' long-term financial success. Welcome to the WIN Podcast. What's important now with Corey Hymanson, accredited investment fiduciary and president of Hymanson Wealth Advisors. In this podcast, Corey helps you identify your goals and objectives through financial education and comprehensive planning while inspiring you to make better behavioral decisions in your personal finance. With a twist on pop culture and current events, join us as we explore growth and protection strategies for individuals, advisors, and their businesses. Come and discover what's important to you now. Hello, and welcome to the Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. Corey, how are you? Good, Eric. How are you today? I am not doing as well as you are. Because before we hit the record button, uh, I know that you've got a special guest in the studio today, and you guys have already started having fun without me, but uh, I, I appreciate you including me in this. <laughs> when well, we manage uh, money, it's a team event, and when we uh, have a good time, it's a team event, podcast yeah. recording, team event, you know, you get, the, you get the drift. I get the drift, yes. And so you've got Dave Ackerman in studio with you. Why'd you bring Dave on the show today? Yeah, Dave, I've known him a long time. He's a local celebrity. Mm. Questionable. He's from our city, Rock Rapids, Iowa. Had a career, uh, a primary career, I guess you'd say. And then as he retired, he he drifted into a new career. And, and mm. so it's just cool. Kind of ties into you know what we try and do for, for clients. And it's a cool story. So I thought maybe we'd bring him in here and, and talk about it. Well, I am so excited. Dave, thank you for being on the show. I'm just going to sit back and learn all about you with the audience. Let's have some fun. Okay. Well, thanks for having me on. As Corey said, my name is Dave Ackerman, and uh, I'm originally from this area. I grew up on a farm. I was uh, six miles out in the country, and so I didn't get to town often when I was a kid. Uh, and so you learn an awful lot of things uh, when when you're out on the farm, and I credit my parents for a lot of those sort of things. You learn how to work hard. You learn how to fix things on your own. You learn how to make your own fun and and uh, appreciate neighbors and do the things in life that uh, you know are worth something. And so I... Uh, Went to uh, college, graduated George High and went to college at Westmar back when there was a Westmar in, in Lamar's, Iowa, and played some football, have some good friends from that experience. And then I transferred to Iowa State and graduated there. And and uh, I got I graduated in five and a half years, five and a half, you know, five and a half of the best years of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, this rush to get out of college, that's that's for some folks. It wasn't for me, but uh, and I got a, a teaching job in uh, middle in uh mid-semester. I graduated in December and I got a teaching job at a place called Bondurant Farrar down by Des Moines off the Northeast edge. And, uh, you know, tie into investments at that time, it was a little 1A school, 40, 50 kids a class. If I had, uh, we, we bought a little acreage on the edge of town and had I known what things were going to be and what, uh, uh, you know, uh, Metro growth looked like, I should have bought a whole bunch of land at that time in the <laughs> late eighties, because it is now a, almost a 4A school. I mean, they are, they are the next big uh, expansion out there. And so I was a high school shop teacher and uh, three days before the season began, I was going to be an assistant football coach. And they, they said to me, uh, uh, Hey, uh, uh, the, the head coach resigned. It was kind of a, he, he got a different job. His, his wife was moving to a different part of the state and he had to leave. And uh, the only other assistant was the head basketball. They said to me, well, Hey, do you want to be head football? You played some college football. Sure. And so uh, for the next eight years, I probably have the most losing record in the state of Iowa, if you were to look it up. <laughs> uh, the irony of this is that my father was on the school board at George for three terms. And there were times my father would come home and he would say, uh, you know what, I'm convinced that all administrators are just failed football coaches. That turns out dad was right. 
Uh, <laughs> while, because football didn't go well, I, I took some, uh, started taking some classes, grad classes at Drake University, and, and uh, I got my master's degree so I could be a, a, a high school principal. And uh, we moved to a place called Sac City, which is between Fort Dodge and Storm Lake. And I was a 712 principal there for four years. And then uh, an opening opened up here at Central Lion, and we had never intended to move home or move close to home, but uh, I applied on a whim. They had just built a new high school. I was interested. I uh, got an interview and, and got the offer. And uh, there's a, another story associated with it. I really debated taking it or not. And it's one of those moments when uh, a situation hits you that you just go, oh, you know, I was kind of one of those, uh, God, send me a sign. What should I do? Should I stay or should I go? And uh an issue tumbled into my office three times in about a half hour. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's that sign. I'm going to go. <laughs> uh, and so came up here, was the high school principal for four years, and then became the superintendent for the next 14. Uh, and so I was the superintendent at, at Central Lion. Well, I was here from oh, uh, the fall of 01 until uh, 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 19. And so, and I retired at 55. I uh, was fortunate Back when we were in Bondurant, my wife and I, uh, my wife was a uh, elementary teacher, and uh, we went to a, a uh, teacher in service at the beginning of the year, and there was a financial advisor who came and met with all the teachers and said, you know, it's not the length of time, or it's not the uh, amount of money you're putting away, it's the length of time in the market and what it can do for you. And so, we, as I said, we had purchased this acreage, we were kind of, you know, things were tight, and we started putting money away pre-tax. And it, I think if I remember right, it was 25 bucks a month. The next, the next year we moved up to 30, we bumped it up big. And, and uh, I remember thinking, you know, boy, this isn't going to amount to anything. And I was so wrong. And so that's the advice uh, as we got here. And I was a superintendent, I would bring in Corey to tell people that story is that, you know, uh, teachers, uh, staff members save for your future and start early because it's the time not the amount you're putting away, but the time that makes a difference. And so that money, uh, year after year, we kept uh, increasing the amount that we were saving or that we were putting away. And that money ultimately made a big difference in our life because when I always had uh, kind of this idea that I came up with and it was aspire to retire was my attitude. I wanted to do something else. I loved what I did. I loved working with kids. Uh, I loved being in a school system. But I always knew I wanted to do other things. I have self-prescribed uh, ADHD, if you couldn't tell yet. And so I was, you know, I've always, I've got a thousand interests and many of them I haven't even discovered yet. And so I always wanted to do what I did and do it well. But when I was done, I wanted to do something else and see what else was out there. You know, some habits still follow over from my education time. Anytime I'm in a restaurant, you know, I did so many years of lunchroom duty as a teacher, as a principal, even a superintendent, I still sit with my back to the wall so I can see what's going on in front of me <laughs> at a restaurant. But, uh, the, you know, I just wanted to do, do different things. And uh, one of the things I, 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 in my lifetime, I've been fortunate, a lot of timing has fallen into place for me, but it's also the idea to see opportunities and take them. I uh, happened to catch a flyer one time from our, our IPERS, the, the Iowa uh, retirement system, and it said that the opportunity to purchase years was closing. And it's one of those things that I always kind of look at something and say, you know, if, if they're changing the rules, it must not be to their advantage. And so I looked into that and I had, I had moved money over with Corey and uh, from, my, from my retirement savings and uh, looked at, uh, ultimately, my wife and I purchased six years uh, from IPERS because they were going to really start bumping it up and you could only purchase them at the end and it was going to be magnified how much money it was going to cost. 
And so uh, we rolled over our investments and purchased years in IPERS. And uh, had a friend of mine say to me that that's like 20% in the stock market uh, every year. And, and it truly is. And so at 55, both my wife and I were able to retire at full IPERS as though at, uh, at what would have been 88 as though we were at 92 and so that was a that was a good move for us. But you know, you, you have to have an eye on on opportunities. So where were we going with this? Yeah, and that's <laughs> oh, I love tangents. If you ever listen to the podcast, you know there's tangents. But and and that's what gets us to the really cool part of the story. I think is that by retiring at age fifty four or five yeah, for you, yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to talk out of school here. But no, I mean, no. at age fifty five, you know, a person by by planning ahead and working hard is able to essentially we'll call it graduate from, from one career to, to what can be a second career, or maybe it could be, maybe we'll call it a hobby. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I might've glossed over this, but the title of today's podcast, we wanted to call this liquid goals. And then I added straight up. So trying to be a little witty there, but what we're talking about is, well, maybe I should let you introduce what you do now. Well, I, uh, I make whiskey. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> See, up. so that's pretty straight up, right? Yeah. Uh, this began as a hobby a few years ago. Uh, I, I love craft beer, love craft beer. I, I, I tried to make craft beer a number of times. And uh, the issue with craft beer is that uh, no oxygen and or bacteria can ruin, you know, it can ruin it. And so uh, I wasn't very good at making craft beer. And so I still enjoy those today. Well, then uh, my wife and I were on a trip to San Francisco and we went up to uh, Sonoma or Napa Valley. I can't remember which. And uh, we, we went to a couple of wineries with some friends and, and uh, there was this, we were in this picturesque little, little cedar barn. There was a waterfall in the background and there was this 80 year old Greek guy moving from, from table to table. And this was like 1030 in the morning. And this guy had been into his wine already and he was having the time of his life. And I'm like, man, that guy looks like he's having fun. That's who I want to be. <laughs> and so, uh, so I came back and I started messing around and started doing some research and started making wine. And, uh, I, I had fun making wine. I actually got my winery license with the state and with with uh, the federal government, and uh, I, I liked wine, making wine. And I and I made sweet wines uh, because you know we had Northern Hardy grapes up here, up in Northern Iowa. And uh, but I didn't enjoy being a winery. I, I built a barn. I, as I said, I used to be a shop teacher, and a friend of mine owned a sawmill, so I built this cedar barn and and uh, started working to insulate it and, and make it the venue and. Uh, uh, you know, you'd be open from nine to nine on a Saturday and people would pull up and I'd be out mowing my lawn. I have to come up and talk to them about it. And, and I, I just, I don't know, something about it. It just didn't, wasn't working for me. And so uh, then I had kind of what I would call a happy accident. I had uh, seven glass carboys of raspberry wine were sitting in my barn one winter and it got really, really cold and they froze. And I was like, oh man, those are lost. I can't. And people like my raspberry wine. And so uh, I, I, of course, researched on the internet as to you know, what is it lost. And it said, you have performed ice distilling, just pour the liquor off. And so <laughs> uh, I, I went from 14% uh, raspberry wine, 14% alcohol raspberry wine to about 40% raspberry brandy. Uh, and the, uh, indeed the ice stayed behind the red liquor poured off and man, that was some pretty good stuff. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, distilling now, wait a minute here. And so, you know, you start watching moonshiners, you're like, okay, if those guys can do this, I know I could do this. So I started applying for my license, knowing that I was going to retire and wanted, wanted a, I know a second, uh, second occupation or something to do with, with my time. And, and so I started messing around and researching and, and, uh, got into making whiskey. I, I purchased uh, a number of different whiskeys, did the research, 
uh, on the mash bills that make up whiskeys or the barreling processes and, and figured out a couple things that I liked and narrowed it down and started making recipes for that. And so I make uh, two products right now. I make a double barrel bourbon whiskey and a something called Revenant Rye, which is, uh, I really like Templeton Rye. And so this is kind of a, a, my, my copy of that. Uh, I referred to it as the Revenant Rye. If you ever seen the movie, The Revenant, most people have with sure. Leonardo DiCaprio and, and the, the, uh, I looked up the word Revenant. I thought, what does that mean? And it said a relentlessly haunting dark spirit. I thought, well, okay, <laughs> that that's a little marketing piece. So I, this is a one man operation. I started working on these things. Uh, if you're interested, I'm on Facebook at rock river distillation or RockRiverDistillation.com. I've got a website and just started working on this, been at it about four years. And it, it, there's all kinds of variations that can go all over the place. But for right now, I'm, I've got these two. I've got a third that's going to come out. It's a, it's a four-year barrel strength whiskey, but I'm, I'm wait, I, everything's about uh, paperwork. I'm still waiting on some paperwork to clear on that before I can do anything with it. So, For the record, I want to tell you the, the Revenant logo. I really like it's oh. like a howling it's yeah. a wolf or something howling right? wolf, yes yeah. and and I instantly had a flashback my grandfather's been gone for a while his name was John but he had a famous saying of you can't howl with the wolves and also soar with the eagles <laughs> I don't know so I guess that just means you can't stay up 24 hours a day I don't know I'm probably still in the wolf camp <laughs> but it, it just uh, brought me back to my uh, youth that was pretty cool and and, and your other logo uh the double barrel bourbon is pretty cool too it's like a shadow of a I wouldn't say a gunfighter, but a, a double barrel shotgun or yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's so yeah, it's been double barreled, and it's uh, it, like I said, if you want to find out more about that, you can check my my website. But it's uh, we we do a double barreling process because uh, I had to figure out what what I liked, and I liked uh, this this is American sip and whiskey, which is you know, there's so many whiskeys out there. There's all kinds of different things, and and, and if you know uh, what I've said, and I've got on my website, if one wants to become inebriated, there's all kinds of things you can do that. <laughs> okay, I mean we all know that uh there's all kinds of things to blend and i don't have any problem with blending or you know manhattans or, or old fashions or anything like that or you know whiskey sours the, the idea behind this really was a lot like craft beer let's taste the whiskey for the flavor of the whiskey so this is to be poured neat and and enjoyed as it is or or maybe over an ice cube or uh, and so uh to taste the the whiskey for for the flavor of the whiskey and and again it's it's uh my idea is that it's about uh when you've got time to, to sit and contemplate and, and appreciate what you've got in this world and uh, to enjoy a good whiskey and maybe a cigar would go along with it. I've enjoyed those too. And, and uh, it's, it, so it's kind of become this hobby going awry. It, it, it's an awful lot of paperwork. It's an awful lot of reporting, but it's uh, I'm a, and I'm a one man operation. I get, I get some friends out, some retirees come out and help me bottle. And, and uh, when we're doing that and, it's highly regulated, but it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it so far and, and, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, and, and I, I think it's cool. I like to do wordplay on, on these podcasts and things. And, you know, so the idea of calling this liquid goals, you know, I mean, we're always <laughs> talking about client money, being liquid and flexible, mm -hmm. you can change things, but you know, there's ways to invest in our country in non-traditional things. And, and so some people invest in bottles of bourbon or wine or NFTs, whatever those are. <laughs> but, but I mean, the point is our art collections, you can go on and on that ultimately there's, there's different ways to be diversified. And I'm not saying everybody has to have a bourbon collection because sometimes you collect things and then you'd rather just use them or enjoy them or whatever. But I just think it's super cool that 
went into what we're calling retirement, even though you're busy and you mm-hmm. have things to do every day. But I mean, it's a whole new way of life. And, and the problem with our industry is that people look at magazines and it's retirees with slightly gray hair, holding hands, walking down a beach or looking at the sunset, you know, and it, retirement is not about playing golf every day or going fishing every day. It's about doing what you want to do when you want to do it. it it's about living. Uh, this, yeah. this, this is the piece that, uh, I mean, I've, I've witnessed so many people who I think retired late and they, because they were, and I'll just say it, they were afraid. They were afraid that, oh, I'm not going to have enough money. I'm not going to have insurance. I'm not going to, uh, you know, and, and uh, the, the, the struggle I have with that is I, uh, if this, and this is just personal. This is me. This is my wife and I had this vision is that we, we wanted to travel. We wanted to do, you know, go see the grandchildren. We, we quite frankly wanted to be free and, and uh, to do what we want to do. This is kind of brings me to an interesting story. I have a, uh, I have uh, uh, two sisters and two brothers are all older than me. And I have a brother who farms. And several times we have this conversation as I've said to him, you know, boy, man, I, I really envy your freedom. And he said, and I envy your steady paycheck. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's exactly right. I mean, he, I said to him, you get up every day and you decide what you're going to do for you. I mean, most days. And he says, yeah, he said, that's exactly right. He said, but you know, on the other hand, I'm not hundred percent sure where my, you know, my next payment's going to be from. And, and so uh, the idea being is that I, I just, uh, I've seen, people that uh, never got to use their retirement or passed away or got ill or got sick or couldn't move, you know, it became immobile, all those sort of things. And it's like, you know, there's more to this life than just showing up to work. You know, it, it, that's, that's kind of the opinion and the attitude that we took. And, and uh, you know, life is to be lived. It's a li- and I hate to be cliche, but life is short. I mean, you, you yeah. got to get out there and enjoy it. And this for us is how it worked, I guess. Yeah. So if I had said to you 20, 25 years ago that you'd be bottling these things today, would you thought I was crazy or could it have already been on the radar back then? It would not have been on the radar, but it wouldn't have surprised me because I, I, I see opportunities in everything. Um, yeah. it, it's just crazy. We live by a junkyard. Okay. And, and I go through there once a week and I've got an arrangement with the, the owner of the <laughs> junkyard. It's like, if I see something cool, I'm going to grab it because if it'll be gone by the next time I get back and I'll just pay. And so, yeah, we, I, I see, you know, my, my barn is filled with things that are, that are the distillery barn, I guess that are, you know, I think are interesting or unique. Um, yeah, I, in my career, I've flipped nine houses. Um, you know, I saw things, I saw places that were distraught or whatever. And, and, uh, you do this where, you know, the, the probably caught the fever the first time as I, I, I bought my first house and I didn't sleep for three nights at it, it. Uh, and, uh, this was, oh gosh, this was back when I was in Sac city and, uh, I, I couldn't sleep and couldn't sleep three weeks later. I sold it for $13,000 more. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm hooked now. You know, yeah. that's when the big flip houses thing was going on. And, and through my, time, I, you know, either doing the work myself or hiring friends or hiring contractors and done some things like that. And we've always come out on top, but you have to be opportunistic. You have to view this as a possibility and an opportunity to do something instead of, oh, that'll never work. You know, there's so many people that'll tell you that'll never work. You can't do that. Well, you know, uh, what I guess my wife would say about me is when you tell me I can't, I sure as hell I'm gonna. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, and this ties in, we've, we've talked about my book before in a previous podcast, but I, and I truly believe this all day long, people regret the things they didn't do more than the things they did do. So why wouldn't you bottle, bottle bourbon or why wouldn't you make mm-hmm. wine if that's what you like to do or flip yeah. houses or, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter who you are out there, set yeah. your goals and just get after it. Yeah, yeah exactly right. And, 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 uh, you know, put, uh, assess your skills and what can you do? What have you got the ability to do? And, you know, like I said, you, not everybody can do these things, but there's other things that can be done and there's other opportunities. You just have to see it that way. 
Um, instead of that, that'll, that'll never work. Or, you know, you, uh, one of my favorite stories is that when I was, uh, my wife and I were friends in high school, we didn't date. Uh, when, when I, we left for college, our freshman year, we came back our, uh, and uh, of course this is 1984, you know, there's a, there's a full, well, 83, actually there was a, there's a phone on the wall in the kitchen, you know, there's no cell phones. Oh, yeah. And so yep. I go to use the phone and my dad says, hey, who are you calling? Because they, you know, they could. And I said, well, I, I was going to call Roxanne. He says, what for? I says, I'm going to, I'm going to ask her out on a date. He said, she ain't going to go out with you. <laughs> well, after that, she sure was. <laughs> Game on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that's, that's just kind of how, uh, uh, you know, I think you got to view things is that you take them on and, and you know, not, not everything works out. Uh, we, we flipped a house one time with a friend of mine and we bought it from a foreclosure site on the internet. Uh, we left church early one Sunday morning and, uh, we were, and, uh, my son, we we're, you know, was on the computer and we had it Googled and we were, we, it looked to be a lake home in Northern Minnesota. And my, my son, we, we cited it in on the, on the uh, website and actually, uh, we were looking at the wrong property <laughs> <laughs> Nice, and we, we just kept bidding anyway. And we, we said, okay, one last time we took the last bid and we got it and, and, uh, yeah, we, we drove up there and it's like, oh my, we, uh, we really hit the jackpot on this. Now it didn't sell for two years, but for two years we had a lake home and we had a lot oh, of fun and, uh, we made some improvements and when we did sell it, it turned out okay. And so you just, you know, you, you, you can sit, sit around and oh, poor me, nothing's going to work or you can take chances and, and get out there. Yeah. You're, you're right in my zone because I'm always talking about optimistic people. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to be an entrepreneur or you want to be a, I'm a get done, get things done type person. You got to have an optimistic attitude. Exactly. And, and I think life just is better for optimists mm -hmm. in general. Yeah, you I, know? I agree. At least you view it that way, if nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that all ties together basically, yeah. doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So what do you think? Is this a 20 year career going forward? Or are you, you going to get burned out or, or tired of it and maybe go on to another one? I have, uh, I, I have kind of a game plan of three different scenarios for this is that uh, one, it fails miserably. And in the meantime, I had some fun and, and there might, I still, I've still got some whiskey left over in the, in the <laughs> distillery when it's all said and done. Uh, two, it might kind of take off and maybe grow and maybe there'd uh, be some people who would uh, want to invest and work with me on this or, you know, and it would grow and, and beyond just me and, uh, or C, uh, maybe, maybe it might be an entity that somebody might want to take off and, and take off my hands and, and run it and run with it. Uh, because, uh, it, you know, it is, uh, I, I got a couple of fallback things that I would get into. It's, uh, so it, it could be any of those. And, and that, again, that's right now I'm having fun with it. And, uh, if it becomes that it's not fun, then, then I'll see what, what, uh, what else it becomes. I think Eric's always looking for some disposable income. You, what do you think, Eric? Should we sideline this thing or what? Well, that and some, you know, whiskey. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it would take some sampling before we could uh, exactly. We, we have to do our research. I liked how you said you did research about different types of uh, uh, bourbon, and then you did your research. I love that phrase. That, that's fantastic. Well, yeah, that amounted to a, quite a number of whiskey bottles at our house, and, and uh, <laughs> there, none of those are left. But uh, which, which may be a side effect of, of uh, you know things that didn't go well as far as this is concerned, but. Yeah. Well, I think this has been fantastic. Dave, I I mean, Corey took the question I was going to ask, which was, you know, what's what's next on the radar? So you said one of those one of those types of scenarios, if if somebody said, hey, I love this and I'm going to, uh, you know, I, I'd like to purchase it and, and do it and run it. What's on the horizon? What what else have you got cooked up in that brain of yours that you would love to do? I mean, I, there's got to be something. 
oh, this is, you're going to say this guy's whack. So that house that we, that lake home that we purchased in Northern Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, my, uh, about 10 years ago, uh, let me back up here. About 10 years ago, my mother passed away but real, real quickly. Uh, within about 10 days, all of a sudden she was gone. Mm. And uh, one of the hardest things, and I, I don't blame funeral homes for this. I mean, it's how it was. I mean, one of the hardest things was going to the casket room and select the casket. Okay. Yeah. And you know, okay, you've got the low end, you got the high end. What do you do? Do you buy a vault? Do you buy a sealed vault? All those sort of things. Very difficult situations. And, and uh, you know, again, I have no issue with funeral uh, uh, funeral homes and such, but so we got through that and, and my dad kind of expressed how, how that was difficult for him. And, and so anyway, uh, my dad was an avid fisherman and I said, well, dad, let's you and me go up North. And by the way, that's never, never pass on your chance to do things like that. My, just my dad and I, and, right. and uh, yes. my gosh, I, I, uh, we, we went up North and as we traveled North, we went through a town called long Prairie and I had, we had, uh, uncle on my mom's side that lived there. He was passed away, but we drove by his old place, but that was Amish country. And, and, uh, Next, as we drove through Amish country, there was a guy, uh, an Amish man with a uh, sign by the road that said, said homemade caskets. And so <laughs> my dad says, my dad says, pull in here. I'm like, we're not going to the casket store. Dad, we're going fishing. He's like, no, no, pull in. Pull in. So we pull in and he's, he turned this old granary into a, into a showroom and he had kind of a shop and he, he was making handmade caskets and they were uh, considerably less than, than the showroom caskets. And, uh, and so he said, that's what I want right there, right there. I'm like, okay, dad. Yeah, that's, that's great. So we, we drove off, we had a tremendous uh, weekend of fishing and it was just him and I, and, and uh, like I said, I, 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 those pictures pop on my phone and I still can't uh, tell you how valuable that was. I mean, you, mm. the, that's another thing I guess I would say is take the time, do those things. And um, anyway, uh, dad died about three years later, three years ago. And uh it was on a Saturday morning. It was February three, and I still remember this. And it, he, he was in the rest home the last couple months of his life. And uh, my, he passed away. And my brother and I, uh, I you know, we, our sisters were there, and we said, "Well, what, what are we going to do?" And I said, "Well, I know what he wants." And so we we looked it up, and sure enough, the Amish guy had a website. And uh, we, I said, "Well, you know, we'd we'd like a, a pine casket." And uh, and he said, and I said, "Then you know what? Pack a second one because at the time we kind of had another relative we weren't certain about. It's like pack a second one. We, you, you know, do you have the means to maybe meet us? I mean, you know, horse and buggy." Or he's like, "No, you, I got." You, you would have had to drive about ninety percent of the way to meet him. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, "No, I got a suburban." So okay, there you go. <laughs> so it's it's a uh, it's kind of a you know a typical February snowy and and uh, we're driving north to meet this guy. I I don't even remember what town we met him in, but he met us. And so then uh, we had my brother's truck and we put these two caskets over in the truck. And on the way back home, we maybe stopped at a few establishments and, and people would come in and say, who are the guys with the caskets in the back of their truck? And anyway, <laughs> so we, we, uh, we got back home and, and uh, at, at dad's funeral, there were, I bet six people said a, the, the casket was extremely uh, uh, aromatic. I mean, it was just, it smelled wonderful. It was simple. It looked good. I, had six people come up and said, did you make this? If you did, can we buy one? Would you make me one? And so uh, we, we, my brother and I actually have like two on standing order that we haven't gotten around to yet because <laughs> one, the one guy, he wants, he wants the old Western kind, you know, the old toe pincher coffin with the, Oh yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. And so uh, he sees my brother every now and he says, you got that ready. And my brother says, you ain't dead yet. You know? <laughs> so, so we don't, anyway, so 
uh, that's one thing I guess kind of loom because I'm an old shop teacher and and uh, like I said we we might get into there's there's another guy that we stopped that we contacted he actually said I'm so booked there's no way he said I, I I'm making him daily and I can't make I can't keep up so so it, so yeah that's the next side business I got picked out if if uh, if this took off or somebody took it off my hands I guess that's kind of the next thing like I said I I I, I have hobbies I haven't discovered yet but. Yeah, you are whacked. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, here's the thing is I'm I'm going to Corey and I don't disagree on much uh, on this podcast, but I think that is amazing. And I don't know if, if you if you've never heard of them, you've got to take a look at the Community Coffin Club. They are out of Australia and it's a bunch of folks that they just said, you know what? It's death and the coffin, the whole thing. Just like you said, it's just daunting. They created a club where it's all DIY. They got together and made all their own coffins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way they wanted to, I mean, one of the ladies, I think she collected ducks. And so everything was ducks. There was even the, the coffin made sounds, which whatever, that's to each yeah. their own. But um, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that that could absolutely, what a peaceful way to think of it and say, hey, let's let's go design it together and have some fun and get it basic or get it, you know, a little, little extravagant or really reflect your personality instead of going into the showroom where, you know, you're, you're waiting for a Cadillac horn to, you know, to go off with some of these you know caskets and how expensive they are so i think that's a fantastic idea i think that's great well and yeah there's there's a lot of different websites and things there there are there are there are uh, there's a guy in uh, nova scotia that will send you it uh, disassembled and it has uh like 20 20 wooden pegs and it it can be a bookshelf until you need it you can put together (laughs) it's a bookshelf and then when you need it then you take the shelves out and put the cap on Oh it's my like god! Yeah, it's like yeah. pretty much, pretty much. And so, uh, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, but that's like I said, that that's another stray idea I have. And <laughs> you're, you're you're not. I just out, out of curious, you're not planning to go like just stuff me in a whiskey barrel, are you? Uh, you know, I hadn't I had not thought of that, but that is a possibility. <laughs> just to save one, just in case, would you? <laughs> yeah, you put two on end, and you'd be okay. I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. Well, gentlemen, this has been a fantastic podcast. Um, I want to just give an opportunity for the audience to get to know you a little bit more. Dave, is there some place that they can reach you if they want to reach out? Uh, I'm on Facebook at Rock River Distillation uh, or rockriverdistillation.com. You can email me with rockriverdistillation at yahoo.com. At at the end here, I didn't get a chance to talk about the whiskey too much, but uh, we're going to pop one here and and pour a small shot for each of us here. and so, and ultimately, Eric, too, if, if, if we ever have a guest on and a, and a client or somebody wants to get contact information to that person, they can reach out to our office and we'll be happy to perfect, you know, yeah. connect them too. Well, so as cool. you guys pour, since I don't have a long enough straw to get over there, um, I'll, I'll ask Corey, if somebody is looking to, you know, discuss maybe a second phase, right? This isn't just retirement. This is, this is talking about a, another opportunity to enjoy the rest of your life, doing something maybe that you love and, and that you've turned from hobby into maybe some profit, which would be an amazing journey. Uh, how do they reach out to you so they can have this conversation? Yeah, send us an email. It's at podcast at the win that's w-i-n the win dot today all right well let's get one cheers before uh before we wrap this podcast up can we yeah and i i do see here that uh his tagline is there is no whiskey too strong only men too weak 
So I'm I'm, I'm visualizing myself in an old Western movie, walking into the saloon and asking for a bottle of water to chase this. We we do have t-shirts with that. We, (laughs) that is our tagline. This is 90 proof. I make it strong because I like it that way. Nice. There we go. We have clicked. We have clicked. All right. Well, as the gentlemen enjoy their whiskey, uh, both of you, thank you so much for the podcast today. And our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Win Podcast with Corey Hymanson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Corey comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it really easy to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hymanson Wealth Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Win Podcast. What's important now? The show that helps you achieve your financial dreams. To ask questions about topics covered during the show or get a copy of Stop Doing Dumb Things With Your Money by Corey Hymanson, visit www.hymansonwealth.com or give us a call at 712-472-3867. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through Securities America Advisors, Inc. Hymanson Wealth Advisors and Securities America are separate entities. 